0: This episode of the 343 podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics is offering you an additional 10% discount because they know that you are serious about high-quality soccer products if you are listening to this show. Training balls from Bounce Athletics can be customized with your logo and your color scheme and will only cost you about $15 to $20 per ball. And if you compare similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select... Those would be in the $50 to $60 range. Now, I've personally tested the balls from Bounce Athletics. They feel great. They look great. They roll great. They hold air, which is super important. They are legit, and I highly recommend them. To top everything off, Bounce Athletics will send you complimentary mockups of what your balls will look like with your logo on them. Just email your logo to info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. And remember to mention 343 so you get that additional 10% discount when you place your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Joe Campos is the founder and creator and a coach at Eagle Claw FC in Seattle, Washington. Joe started the club in 2013 out of frustration of what he was experiencing in the greater Seattle area. And we spend some time talking about that in this episode. Joe brings some experience from many different fields. He's an entrepreneur and he's also a trained lawyer. Um And he used all of that experience to help build this club that now has an official partnership with Valencia from Spain and is doing some great work in the Seattle area. Joe and I were connected through uh, Bounce Athletics and specifically Zach Jonker, the founder of Bounce Athletics. And I had reached out to Zach and asked him if there was anybody in his network that was using his products that I should interview. And he connected me to Joe. And I am super thankful for that because this is one of the best conversations that I've recorded for the 343 podcast. And I really hope and I really think that you are going to enjoy everything that we talk about. And if you do enjoy this episode of the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google Play, or on Spotify. And you can help other people find the show by giving it a five-star rating and a review or just sharing it on social media. But the absolute best way to support the 343 Podcast is by signing up for the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. What you get with that is an online program that provides you with the best coaching education for a fraction of the price when compared to other licenses and courses that are out there. Long before this podcast existed, I was actually a member of the 343 Program, and I was able to learn things that added value to my team and to my personal education without getting confused or distracted by excess and useless information. The 343 membership program teaches you a proven possession-based methodology and allows you to study and learn from one of the best coaches in American soccer. And that education is delivered to you by showing you videos of real games and real training sessions. And that helps you learn the core activities so you can start coaching possession soccer yourself. And you also get ebooks, audio lessons, recorded classroom presentations, and on field clinics. And to top everything off, you also get access to online forums for networking and sharing ideas with other 343 coaches. And those forums are open to members that are at various stages of the membership program. So some of them are in month one, some of them are in year five. So that becomes a very, very interesting and helpful spot to exchange ideas and you get access to all of that 24 7 online uh, for the price of 295 dollars which is an incredible value you can find all the benefits and see some of the videos that we've actually put out there by visiting 343coaching.com once again you can get all of the details by visiting 343coaching.com all right I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast with Joe Campos Okay, so uh let's uh let's kick things off with a little introduction. So tell me uh tell me who you are and, and what you're up to and where where you're up to it. Um and uh and then I'll kinda of pick you apart with some questions from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um so I'm I'm Joe Campos, I'm the executive director at uh Eagle Claw Football Club up in Seattle. Um and we're uh we're a pretty focused club. Um, Some would say disruptive, some would say transformational. I kind of prefer the word transformational. I think it probably captures a lot of what we're trying to do. Um, And uh, really challenging traditional notions of what a youth soccer club ought to be um, in terms of everything, really structure, which is really, really important uh, to us. Uh, We've been pushing the Transformations of youth club structure quite a bit, um, all the way to, you know, methodology, philosophy, playing styles. Um, you know, the who, what, where, and how a soccer player, a youth soccer player, is developed. And um, yeah, that's what we're up to. Tell me,
0: tell me about the structure that you're that you're trying to uh, change, and then what you've you've done to change it so maybe and and maybe I should ask this, like what did you notice that you that you didn't quite like and and why did you decide to to change it?
1: okay, so that is a fantastic question um <laughs> that's that's that gets right down to it, okay, so um uh, just a brief disclaimer, uh I can be pretty opinionated, and I name names and I'm not afraid of it, so um when I'm a dad as well. I've got two boys, uh, 14 and 13. And I want to take you back to the time when, uh, one of my boys was, uh, seven years old. And at that point, um, I had been working with my boys, um, you know, since the time they could walk and, and essentially discovered, you know, two things about, um, you know, being someone who knows about soccer, um, and and also has to you know work with their kids and wants to work with their kids is um i taught them a lot and there came a time when um they didn't want to hear from me anymore and i thought it happened pretty quickly um maybe some other people out there can identify with that but i would say you know do this or let's try it this way and they'd say no no i can do it this way and that's the moment you got to realize um as a dad you got to let go and your kids ready to do something else and hear from hear another voice essentially um, but I was working with my boys and a couple of their classmates, their parents had asked, you know, Joe, can you train Joe? Can you train my kid? And, and pretty soon we had a nice little group that I was working with. Um, and we trained on an indoor pitch and, and these interesting coaches with very polished track suits and interesting edges would stand on the sidelines of these indoor fields and, and watch me working, you know, little four V zeros and talking about receiving across the body to the back foot and, and they were really curious. And of course, afterwards they would talk to their parents and try to recruit the kids, which I thought was interesting. Um, Fast forward word gets around on the school playground that there's a tryout for a club called Seattle United big club. I don't know anything about it and hadn't really put my kids in the club structure, but all the kids wanted to go was like the hot new thing to do. So I went and this is what I did not like. Uh I saw tryouts for six, seven, eight year olds for something called a premiere. Interesting word. Development academy. Probably about three hundred kids showed up. It was massive. It was massive. I didn't understand what anyone was looking for or teaching. Um and it took me about twenty minutes. And I finally walked up to one of the coaches holding a clipboard and I asked if I could see just a blank form. Can you show me what you're looking for? And they wouldn't show it to me. I thought, that's interesting. Okay, walked away from that. And the net result was that tryout caused uh, 60 kids roughly to be selected for a program, leaving you know, roughly 240 kids being told that they suck or you know, they're not good enough. And I talked to a variety of parents afterwards with the, you know, the, the obligatory phone call from the club saying, "Well, you need to work on this. You need to work on that." That was the, that was the spark. That's where I realized that there's no education. There's no, you know, this is not Barcelona. These kids walked into a tryout with stars in their eyes. They don't know what anything is. No one's really taken the time to teach them. But we have this you know, tracksuit laden, you know, environment where they're selecting kids at way too early an age and not committing to educating. And that's the hard thing. That's really the hard thing about coaching is, you know, can you teach? I think, at least for us. And if you can't do it, and if you're just going to be a selector, okay, then be a selector and be honest about it. And we're going to be educators and we're going to be honest about it. There's a time and place for us in our environment, in our context. It's different anywhere else in the world, I think, but for maybe, but for us here in Seattle, um, we've set that target age at roughly 13 when we think that's it. That's our up and out, up or out moment for players. That's when tryouts make sense. And we do other things with our structure to make sure that, um, that we're educating kids and bringing them up to that moment. I'm not sure if I captured that for you, but that was the moment. That was, that's when Eagle Claw set off and, and there's a lot more to the story, but that's, that's the genesis of the program.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you, you just saw an environment that wasn't conducive to learning and you, it it seems like kind of set off to provide something that was different, but you, you had also mentioned that you were already operating, uh, some, uh, in in some way like it sounds like you were training some kids already so did you have a, yeah. a, a team or or you just ran like camps or 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 what were you doing before that and then what ultimately came of um or, or, or what what ultimately was was built or is being built I don't know what stage you guys are yeah. At right now.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah I get it um it was about as informal as you could get um it was me I paid for everything out of my pocket. So it wasn't a club or anything like that. It was me and my two boys and maybe eight to 10 um, of their classmates whose parents essentially said, yeah, we would like Joe to train my kid. Um, what makes you, it,
0: what, what, what makes you like a, I don't, I don't want to sound demeaning or anything, but like what makes you a special yeah. trainer? Like why, why did they seek you out? What What's your, what's your expertise or, or specialty or, or story?
1: Yeah, You know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a special trainer. I'm, I'm not Mourinho. I'm not the special one. Um, but um, I don't know what they saw. Maybe I was committed. Maybe they saw the, the way that I was working with the kids. Um, you know, I'm a believer in, you know, I, I played in, in Spain and, and in Turkey as a youth kid, not at a very high level, not at a very high level at all. Um, but I've always been a student of the game. And, you know, I think, um, I think they saw that, but what was interesting to me was how many times my phone would ring and people would ask to get on the wait list. There was no organization. There was no club, but people would ask to, you know, can I get on the wait list? Um, and I did have a, I mean, it was pretty clear that I didn't want to take on any more kids than I could as I was you know, funding this out of my own pocket, you know, just renting fields and doing things like that. Um, but it got bigger, bigger and organizations were contacting me and, and you know saying, can I send a player over to you because you know they need to work on this or that and I thought that's interesting but no. Um, but really it was that it was that Seattle United tryout that that crystallized everything for me and and it didn't take but two hours for me to sketch out what I thought would be a more effective player development talent development um program and that's how it got kicked off. Um yeah, we opened the doors to the public in two thousand thirteen and 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 that was yeah, it's it's been booming since.
0: Did you have any any experience with running a, a club or starting a you know something from, from the ground up when it when it comes to soccer because it's not the easiest task to take on. And a lot of times that um that alone is is what you know crushes people when when they're like, oh man, this is going to be hard to chase my dream of starting my own team or club. You know, just the the process alone is pretty grueling. So I'm I'm curious, like, what your experience was before that, and and how that helped you or or what you learned maybe during that process of starting something on your own.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, to be perfectly candid about it. Most of the sort of ideas, impulses, things that I relied on to to get it off the ground and get it going came from non-soccer areas. Um, you know, I'm legally trained. I'm a lawyer uh, as well. And so you know handling that part of you know establishing a soccer club um, came easy. I think the, the other thing that is deep in my background is, is just a sense of entrepreneurialism. Um, you know, and just as a, as a brief aside, this gets away from soccer for sure. But, um, you know, when I was, when I first got out of law school and took a job at a, at a firm, um, I did really well and, you know, did everything that I needed to do. And, and I think, I think I might've been at the firm for about three years before they made me a partner. And I decided, um, something came along one day I was chatting with a friend of mine about a business idea. And the next thing I resigned from the firm and we set up a brand new startup company uh, from the ground up. And, um, I'll fast forward. It's a different story, different time, different era, but, that company was eventually acquired, and you know, kind of a huge, huge deal. And um, that experience, you know, showed me all of the various things um, that are important to being an entrepreneur. Um, it's easy to talk about doing it; you actually got to get out and do it. It's the street education that matters a lot more than the than the classroom education. And so, you know, since then, I, you know. Ask any business lawyer if they've actually set up a business. I think you'll find out who they really are. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, okay, so so you you launched a club and 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 everything was everything was perfect, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't perfect, and and we've made mistakes uh, along the way. Um, but the thing about mistakes, just like with players is it's, it's okay to make them as long as you, you learn from them and reflect and, and, you know, figure out how to make better ones, uh, as you go along. Um, the, it it wasn't an instant success. Um, but very, very quickly we got a, I think a well-deserved reputation for, um, developing technically skilled players. It wasn't what I was really out to do. I was really out to develop, you know, kind of holistic technically, but also, you know, really, really smart players. And, and, and that was gonna take time. Um, the things that immediately showed were, you know, the technical abilities. Um, started off small, but the, the club structure itself has been in place from the very beginning. And it's, it's essentially a two tier, two-tiered structure where we have a primary academy Uh, that runs from age roughly five, six through about 12, 13, and then an advanced academy that sits on top of that. And that's your up or out moment. That's where tryouts happen. Uh, So we started progressively just built the primary academy first um, and did not build the advanced academy uh, for a while uh, on the belief that uh, you, you got to develop the players you got to work with them first and, and you have to have, it's got to be authentic and you know, it's, it's harder to import um, sort of older players from other clubs and, and really make a positive difference, you know, when they're that old. Um, at least in my view, um, some bad habits are hard to break. And, and at that age, some kids are resistant to some of the training that we wanted to, to put in place. And that was actually one of the mistakes that, that I made was, you um, jumping to an older team uh, way too soon with players that have been trained at other clubs. And, and that was um, kind of a spectacular failure that we just um, shot down after about a year and decided to go back to the organic growth. And that's, it's the, it's more authentic. It, it takes more time. It's you need more patience. Um, but we are seeing the results now, I'd say, opening the doors in 2013 it's 2019 six years uh i watched two games on the weekend and i could have been watching a, a spanish pro academy youth team playing it's it takes time you, you, you can't just add water and expect it to happen so um that was one of the mistakes we made
0: that's a, that's um, a really it's a really good point i want to I make sure I, I i mentioned something that came to mind so i i'm part of uh of like a small entrepreneurial group that we meet once a month and kind of share stories and and, and help each other out with, with any like small business problems that we're encountering. And mm. the girl that runs it is a very well-established photographer here in San Luis Obispo. And she's worked for years and years and years to establish her, her good reputation here. And she wanted to branch out and run an event in Santa Barbara. And, you know, the, the events have been massively successful that she's done in San Luis Obispo. And so, for whatever reason, you know they they assumed, and I I, I I want to make sure I don't make her sound bad in this, but uh, they they assumed that the event in Santa Barbara would you know be a piece of cake, and it's not, and they're experiencing a lot of problems. And so the other day I ran into her to, at a coffee shop, and and she was kind of telling me about it, and I was like, yeah, like it kind of makes you like remember all of the hard work that you've put in here in San Luis Obispo over the years that you might not realize remember every single day because you've done it for years and years and years here but when you pick up this new project all of a sudden like you you realize like oh wow i haven't done the necessary work in this market or in this area you know for the years and years and years that's required and so when you were talking about picking up an older team and and them having like the bad habits or or you know just expecting kind of instant success that that triggered Um, the memory of of that story from or that I just shared and it's very similar like you know if you have a team for five six seven eight years you know when a team or a coach or a parent watches them on a Saturday they're like oh wow like that's you know that's really really good they don't know or they don't understand the years and years and years worth of work that's gone into 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 that into the making of that team and that style and and yeah, so I just wanted to make sure I, I threw that out there because I, I wholeheartedly agree with with what you're saying so far.
1: That's a fantastic point. I mean, it's not isolated to soccer is the point you're making, which I completely agree with. Um, and, you know, we constantly need to check ourselves and we can become, you know, victims of our own, you know, we, <laughs> we become victims of our own sort of success and just think that, okay, so I've done all the hard work now. And so now no more hard work is required. I can just expand, add water as it were, and it's just going to happen. And it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. Um, you know, and and it's the the problems that we've encountered, um, the challenges somewhere, you know, of our own making that one, I mentioned is one of ours, but you know, the other thing is just dealing with a phenomenon that, that I, I call the drive-by and, and it's, you know, whether we're talking about drive-by coaches drive by players drive by parents. Um, it's, it's important to spot motivations that lead to inauthenticity and it can happen to yourself. I mean, it happened. That example I gave you is that that's what happened. I mean, I thought we take a shortcut and help the club and help some kids and and it wasn't authentic and, and we had to, we had to amputate. Um, Uh, to save the patient. And, and we did. And, and I think, you know, drive-by coaches, I mean, if you're in it to collect a paycheck, you're not intellectually curious um, we can spot that and can't, can't be a part of, of our organization. It just, it can't happen. Um, Same thing with drive-by players and parents. Um, You know, the idea that, and I see this all the time, John, I mean, kids show up from another club, and, you know, like, oh, I, I want to play like Eagle Claw. I want to play like these kids. And, and the idea is come in, join us for a year so that you can go back out to that tryout at that other club. I mean, okay, that, that's not authentic. That's not commitment. That's not focused on the long term. Um, and there's, it's a, I don't know it's a uniquely American problem, but it's, it's a confounding one. Um, And it's a challenge to, a, I think, to an authentic club to say, how do I instill in my players and my parents and my coaches um, a commitment to the long-term? We say long-term development, but it doesn't mean anything unless everyone around the problem is committed to it. I've got to be committed to it. My coaches have to be committed to it. More importantly, Mm -hmm. players and their parents have to be committed to it. Um, And that's where we get what I call essentially – Talent saboteurs, you know, if if you take a shortcut, short approach, um, then then you kind of reap what you sow.
0: Something that just came to mind is uh, when you when you brought up long term development, a lot of times parents are waiting too long to start that long term development process. They're not willing to commit to it at the ages where you're starting your program, like ages five, six, seven. And yeah. a lot of times parents are thinking like, oh yeah, like, you know, my kid's 13 or 14 years old now. Okay. We're going to commit to this. It's like, no, you're, you're committing to something way too late. Like 13, 14 is, is a little bit, you know, not a little bit. It's, it's, it's way too late to, to make the decision that you're going to commit to a long-term development process because really you only have five, four or five years left in your, in your development process. Um, then at 18, you're, you know, you're, you're off in the wild. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. A question I wrote down earlier was um, what, what do you want the kids to have by the time they hit that, that, um, that tryout moment? I think you identified like 13 years old is is when they, you know, have to, you know, kind of like fight or flight. And um, so what, what are you trying to give, give the kids, what tools are you trying to give the kids so that they're prepared for that moment? And, And what are you looking for? In order to graduate them to to that next level
1: um, wow well, yeah so gets gets a little bit deeper into you know our curriculum and methodology but what i'm i'm really looking for is a player that understands our structure um someone you know just in broad 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 strokes um positional play is our ambition super super hard to teach at the younger ages but you know, sort of high level generalized concepts can can stick. I do believe that, regardless of what US soccer says I should or shouldn't teach. Mm-hmm. Um and so so with that, with that as the structure, you know, do I have a player, you know, for lack of a better term, is is a rondo type player. You know, do they have the technical um, consistency of receiving across the body, open body position, back foot? Um, you know, looking to play, do they have some awareness of the zone that they're in when they have the ball, you know, adjacent zones, options that are appearing, Um, you know, do they have some instinct to play that way? Um, I'm looking for that. That's what I'm looking for. And I think players that are, you know, resistant to that or their head down and, you know, trying to pull, you know, seven scissor Maradona, whatever um, it gets harder to break that player into our advanced program. Um, cause they just haven't yet figured out how to play with each other. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Smart's more than anything else. Um, smart's more than anything else. And, and that's hard to, It's hard to bottle, um, or even describe cause you got to look at each kid, um, differently, but yeah, that's, that's what we're looking for.
0: At, at what age are you introducing the, the kids to like a competitive environment and I guess I should backtrack and, and ask at what age are you starting to teach the kids that positional type mentality? Cause that's a, that's kind of a hot topic always sure. like an evergreen hot topic in, in American soccer is when do you start teaching tactics? When, when do they start playing actual games and, and, you know, is it small sided? Is it, are they playing with eight teammates, whatever? So I'm, I'm curious if your program, um, kind of, it, it runs a different course than, than what the traditional American soccer, um, I don't know if it traditional is the right way, but the, the, the way that us soccer is, is trying to structure things now. So I'm wondering if it's in line with that, or if you're again, being kind of like a, like a disruptor in that way as well.
1: If yes if it's disruptive to introduce six-year-olds to 4v1 yeah then we're massive disruptors um if we're you know trying to correct um you know body position and trying to instill a consistency of you know passing and receiving you know technical quality yeah we're disruptive um You know, I, I'm not a fan, um, of, you know, just kind of throwing a ball out and, and letting the kids just kind of run around for two hours. Um, it's, it's fun and everything, but there's a time and place for that. If you are a customer, I'm going to use that language because I, I think it's important to realize that, um, a lot of clubs don't American youth clubs, I can talk about their structure, structural problems as well but they they don't they don't see the player as their customer you you paid for your education with me i'm willing to teach you um so yeah we're we're disruptors in that way i want to i want to instill those habits early and i can see the difference when they are from six to 10 11 huge huge differences in the quality of our players versus the players that come out of other clubs
0: it's huge it's uh it's pretty cool because uh you're only six years into it and so like that first that first crop is still super young like 11 12 years old so you're you're just now yeah. you're, you're just now starting to see them maybe maybe even for the first times play 11 v 11 i don't when, when do they start 11 v 11
1: uh way too early in this country to be honest and way too early in in seattle for sure but um yeah, that, that first bumper crop, um, it's been reinforced, you know, obviously it's been reinforced by kids that came in a little bit later and we've had some impact on them as well. Um, but, you know, for example, I watched um, I watched that good team, early early crop, as you put it, um, over the weekend, and it was an amazing moment. Um, yeah, the, the score's not important, but it was complete possessional positional, um, you know, brilliance. I really loved it. Enjoyed watching the game. I know that our, our parents did as well. And I was standing on the sidelines and I was, you know, mobbed by, um, parents from the opposing team asking for phone numbers and, you know, how do I, how, you know, the, and one of the, one of the dads said to me from the opposing team said something very interesting to me and said, I could tell right from the start, the way that your team was touching and playing with the ball. And I'm like, that's good. I mean, it's good that you can see the differences, you know, it's good that, you, you know, and so, you know, I I complimented him and then, you know, challenged him. So now what are you going to do? Mm, you know? that's so it's, it's okay to be, I mean, we tell our players to make decisions, you know, we, we teach kind of a decisional loop. Um, But same thing applies to parents you've observed. Right, you've observed my team. You've oriented yourself. You've, you're watching my team. Now it's time for you to make a decision and then act. Let's go. What are you going to do? It's your kid. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing to see the developmental progress. Um, but there comes another challenge, and and that is what I I referred to previously as kind of the the talent saboteurs. You can do this, and then all of a sudden, a parent. Um, thanks. My kid's ready for the world cup. And then the questions of pathways and platforms and all these other things come up and, and that's a super, super hard challenge. Um, and so where, where do we want to go with this? Ultimately, I want to give players, uh, what I call, you know, player capital. I want to give them such a quality education, um, that they will be in demand wherever they want to go. And it sounds utopian and idealistic Um, through our, we have a really unique partnership with, with Valencia and ultimately my goal would be to find, you know, Eagle claw players playing in Spain at a professional level, whether it's first, second, third, fourth division, I don't care. Um, I just think the quality of development is better there than it is in professional academies here in in the U S and I'd like to, help them get there. And if they can't get there, if they fall a little short, well then they will be the best damn player at some college somewhere. Um, and that's my goal.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like uh, shoot for the moon. And, and if you miss, then you're, you end up in the stars type deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and if I can give the players, you know, if I can give Eagle claw players that I've served my customers and that, that, you know, that has to be, that has to be the way that we approach it. Otherwise, why are we doing it?
0: Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to this. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to this episode of the three, four, three podcast. When I spoke to Zach, the co-founder of bounce athletics, he mentioned one of the most common problems that coaches and players and teams have when it comes to their training equipment. And this is what he had to say.
1: Finding goals that are portable, um, that can be moved from environment to environment quickly and perform just as well on grass as they do on turf as they do on hardwood or, or wherever you're at.
0: Thankfully, that problem has been solved thanks to the Dynamo Goals made by Bounce Athletics.
1: They have revolutionized people's training sessions. For those that don't know, they're a three by five, all aluminum frame. They fold flat in like five seconds and they, you pop them back up in a couple seconds.
0: The moment I saw the Dynamo Goals in action, I was totally convinced that these were the best goals on the market. And since using the Dynamo Goals, I haven't even touched the other goals that I have had for years. And I was curious about who else was already using these. So I asked Zach, and here's what he had to say.
1: Everything from recreational programs that are using them for their three V three and four V four to college and pro teams that have twenty of them.
0: Three four three listeners get an additional ten percent discount when you mention the three four three podcast. Just email info at bounce athletics to begin the order process. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into another deep topic and 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 it's something that I don't know if you've if you've experienced it yet with with your with your group it sounds like you like you have um just based on some comments that you've made but the the roster changes over the course of you know five six seven years and you know bringing players in letting players go um the the way that you recruit Players and and obviously you just mentioned a story about you know the parents approaching you, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm curious about how you handle that and and if there is intention behind that. Like, is that an intentional plan or um, is it is every case just kind of just random and and you just you know manage fires as they as they as they
1: start. Um. Yeah. Great question. And, and controversial, um, probably one of the most controversial aspects of what we do, um, because in our primary academy, right? We have this two tier structure, but in our primary academy, we have a no tryout, no cut policy philosophy. We do have limited enrollment by that. I mean, I'm not trying to be the biggest, so I can't stand, you know, looking at clubs that have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, H, K teams. I don't understand that. There's no commitment to education there for the player that's relegated to that K team. I don't even know what that means. Um, so we do have a limit, but basically if you want to learn to play our way, then you register and we teach you and that can create problems. Um, They have to be confronted though. For example, if you are a player with us and you've been with me since you were six and now you are 11, you're a pretty good player. Now someone from another club shows up and wants to learn to play our way and they find themselves on your team. Yeah, that could create some problems for us, the challenge is how do we raise that player's level? Um, I was a pretty famous Dutch coach, uh, who said, I mean, he was referring to the professional level, of course, but I think it's, I think it's applicable. Uh, Rina said, uh, if you want to raise the level of, you know, the elite player, you got to raise the level of the average player. Well, well therein is that's the coach's, That's the coach's job. That's your challenge. Can you raise the level of that player? If we really are that good, I can take that player and I can make a positive difference and make them fit into the team. It's hard. It's really, really hard, but I'm not worried about the team. Shouldn't be worried about that team holistically until I get to that next tier, the advanced Academy. That's where I'm really worried about the team structure and the team composition Um, sort of continuity. That's what you're getting at, but it's hard. It's hard. Um, and we'll get parents that say, you know, my kid shouldn't be playing with that kid. Okay. That's your opinion. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm, that makes me go back to this, this a YouTube clip that's running around of, uh, Juan Malio. And I know, you know who he is, uh, who just gave this brilliant interview. It's in Spanish, of course, but he said, you know, you have the right to have an opinion it's respectable to have the right to have an opinion or that's respected but not all opinions are respectable um and that's one that i don't respect so when a parent says my kid should not be playing with that kid it's your opinion i respect your right to have an opinion in my view it's not a respectable opinion leave leave the education of the player to us and everything will be fine
0: yeah it's uh it's a It's always kind of like a wild world when you when you get into you know how to how to educate or how to deal with parents, and there isn't a lot of information out there for coaches on how to deal with parents. There isn't a lot of stories out there from from successful coaches of how how did I handle this situation with this new player that came in and took the spot of of a kid that was in the club for 5 years but this new kid is just better and and there there isn't a lot of information out there for a coach to you know to better to help them better manage that situation so i'm always curious like how how that kind of works out and and introducing new players to to the new environment you know there's not a, there's not a lot of information out there for coaches to you know to follow or to learn how to properly do that like how do i how do i properly introduce a new player to this new training environment in order to get them up to speed, you know, quickly. That's very difficult. And and it, and it's just, you know, you don't, you don't get that in a, in a coaching license course. And you don't get that um, in a lot of, you know, the coaching books or DVDs or, or or things like that. They're so drill um, centric that um, you you miss out on that stuff. And you mentioned it earlier too. I think when you were starting, when, when you went and started a, a business, it's like, that's, you know, that's, that's like the street education, like that's the that's not the formal education that you're gonna get in a in a license course. Like that's the the street type stuff that you know where, you, where you're gonna get that experience. So yeah, it's 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 a topic yeah. that can be explored and dissected in, you know a hundred different ways,
1: probably. Well, you, man, you're asking some really good ones. <laughs> um, this is another good one, and and it's relevant because um we just did it with a younger team literally two weeks ago, three weeks ago. um, And, and life presents these opportunities to us every once in a while and, and puts, you know, puts what we've built to the test. There is no guidebook for this, but what I've found is that if you pay attention to the environment that you've created, the training environment that you've created, it bleeds it bleeds over into that community of parents that are behind a team. Um, And that really is the proof of how good your environment is, right? If you've you've created a really positive environment and and completely educated your parents around what your objectives are, long-term education, long-term player development, you know, we're in this for the player. We're not in this because, you you know, I'm focused on division one or that league or this, you know, cup or whatever the thing may be if that, if that resonates with your parents and then if they really internalize it, that will help you make these changes. And what just happened, um, we had, you know, life happens. We have a a nice high performing team happened to win state cup last year. And not that that's necessarily important, but, um, you know, people started looking around going, oh my gosh, look at this, look at this team of players, um, one kid left the state just parents job relocation they just go um and um and something else happened to another player beyond their circumstances and they left and we had two holes to fill um two kids came in and i contacted contacted me contacted the club asked if they could join the team and 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 the program and we brought them in and the parent community has been around that team has been fantastic just welcoming them in, bringing them in. Okay. The hard parts for us coaches, how can we integrate them tactically? You know, we assess them. We can see where they need work to kind of mesh in with our, with our philosophy and our standards. But if you've built that culture first, parents will help you. Your parents will help you.
0: What I just wrote down is, you know, the way that you use the word integrate, we use the word brainwash. And, and and I think it's it's very similar because, you know, the education that you that you give to the parents, you, you need to brainwash them into your way of doing things. Right. And once you've successfully brainwashed them, uh, it's now their job to do the brainwashing to the other parents. Like like you kind of just mentioned, like bring like when the new when the new parents show up, the parents are, are your that's your sales team. Like that's, that's the people that are, that are going to be on the sidelines, you know, brainwashing the, the, the new parent and then the next parent, you know, maybe, maybe their friend yep. or, or, you know, from across town plays on, on the other team. So they're out there, <clears throat> you know, hitting the streets and, and selling or brainwashing, you know, the, the next crop too. And I, I think that that's super important. And yeah, so the way that you use integrate, I, I use the word brainwash and, and you know, <laughs> pe- people might look at that, you know, as like a controversial or kind of like a a bad word. Um, but I think it's the, the meaning behind it that, that, uh, that is, is more important. So I, I, I like that you, that you have a similar idea, I think with, with, you know, integrating
1: the, the parents and the families and the players. Yeah. And interesting. I mean, yes, the word brainwash has some pejorative, you know, kind of connotations to it, but if, you know, if we use it, if we use that term, um, to mean that there is, um, you know, it's persuasion if, but if we use it in a way where we infuse it with authenticity or honesty, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. in that, in that team, in that team, the reason the parents were so welcoming and they genuinely see the positive differences in their own kids, in their abilities. Um, They have seen over the course of time that adding a player or two has done conscientiously, Um, it's done honestly. And, and if if they see that, and they, there's a basis for them to go out and further sell, it's got to be, it's got to be honest, it's got to be genuine, you have to live it. And then, then you have the most effective, the most effective salespersons. So I I completely agree with you. Um, It's a good word to use. But I would, I would add, it's, they have to have seen it in action for themselves they have to have seen the results they have to have seen the commitment from the coaches and kind of that patient education yeah
0: yep yep it doesn't yeah it doesn't happen overnight uh it, i like what you said earlier too about you know it's not just an add just add water situation it's it's a brainwashing or integrating or however you want to label it that happens over the course of you know many many years probably um and and yeah so that's where that's where my brain was with that one. Yeah. <laughs> um what's uh what's on the horizon for you guys at, at Equal Claw and, and what are what are some of the things that are you know that you maybe want to accomplish in the next year or two and and maybe maybe some longer term ideas.
1: Um yeah, the this year has been pretty um eventful for us already um actually started a little bit at the end of last year um we've we've really turned our focus it's always been in the in the cards everything that we've done has been um programmatic meaning that there was a plan you know build the primary academy first go to the advanced academy next and then continue to push out from there and so we're we're a little bit ahead of schedule um and that that makes me nervous um kind of coming back to your comment about you know making that move too quickly if it's you know if it's not authentic if you haven't done all of the hard work behind it then you can you can find yourself making a mistake in this case we've gone very slowly uh with our relationship with um with valencia it's a really important piece of of what we want to do as a club um we want to show the level and this gets down to um, the target level. This gets down to, to parents and 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 educating them. Um, the level, the target level, is not the traditional American youth club across the street. The level is not Seattle United. The level is not any of these other large clubs. The level is elsewhere. The real level that you need to see, the target level, in, in my view, is in Europe and for me specifically in Spain. Um, and so we're focused on doing everything we can to get our players to see that. And, and go there. So last year we took a huge step. we have been working with Valencia for a couple of years, but we took a huge step and, and took um, a group of players, um, to train and, and compete. And, um, had while we were there had some very productive conversations with um, the folks at Valencia as well about a wide range of subjects talent development, you know academy, um, FIFA passport regulations, everything that you could possibly imagine right this gets down to you know how how big the challenge is um, and they were very you know honest and productive conversations. it helps that you know, I'm, I'm originally from Madrid, so it, it helps that, um, you know, Spaniard to Spaniard, we can kind of talk about these things. Um, and we started to lay the groundwork for, you know, potent- creating a, a, an intentional pathway, um, to Spain. And so we've, um, that culminated in something that we're calling the Valencia discovery program, um, which is a kind of a, Fancy name, but it's it's supervised and overseen by someone from Valencia. Um, they do the the tryouts and selections and everything like that. Um, it's the inaugural year. It's a big deal for us, um, but this is our way of of having our players experience that culture, experience that style of of um, you know talent development and selection. Again, underneath the the Eagle Claw rubric as it were. Uh, we're going again in April. This time we're taking, you know, maybe 60 players with us. Um, again to train and compete. And we love it when they come back and look at their opponents differently. <laughs> okay. This game is completely different. I'm it's it could be the it could be the game against, you know, the the toughest opponent in the division, but it's a, it's a warm up to go to spain and 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 compete there and and that gives proper perspective i think for our players and so this is a big deal for us
0: that's awesome man and i like that you mentioned too like you know th- the level you're, you're not measuring the level based on what is available here in the united states like you know our our competition and and, and the standard is elsewhere and that's the in my opinion the absolute correct way to look at it because if you're trying to be like Seattle United, or if you're trying to be like whatever Joe Schmo's FC club is, is you know in in your neck of the woods, that's that's only going to get you to that level. So you need to experience and under you need to understand first off what else is out there and what the level really is when when you leave the United States, because I think a lot of times people are just completely misguided on how high the level actually is in these other countries and it's 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 amazing to me how how misguided a lot of people are it shouldn't be amazing it's, actually yeah I, I shouldn't i shouldn't be as shocked as i am because i've seen it happen so many <laughs> times now but it still shocks me
1: yeah it's it, it's the truth i mean i i the the sites can be set so low where you know the target is i you know, I I want my kid to to do X Y Z so they can go out to the tryout for you know this other club. I get it. I, I understand it's you know it's local and and that's what you can see. But if we can if I can expand their horizons and show them, you know, no, it's it's a completely different world. And the level is not just because of the training. It's I mean it's everything. You, you've you've been there. You know it's 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 the culture. It's in the air. It's in the blood. I mean, the kids that come back. Um, True story. Uh, we sent two small kids. Um, one is a 2007 player and the other is a 2009 player. I actually trained the, trained both of them, but the, the 2009 player is currently someone that works with me. Um, yeah, they went to Valencia for 10 days. The coaches liked them, uh, invited them over and had them training. And, you know, it's meet the club, meet the Academy. Um, I got some nice messages back from Valencia about one of the players. They want to you know, keep watching them. It's fantastic. Great. But here's the thing. Little player who I train and I work with little kid, 2009. Comes back to training the day after the day after his plane lands changed. He is more outgoing. He is more communicative, uh, communicative. He's talking to me and he's using little Spanish for 10 days. He's telling me, I asked him about the train. How different was the training? He's like, Oh, they do some of the things that we do the same, the same things that we do, but maybe there's a little thing different here, or they did this or they did that. I just changed this kid's world. He'll never look at the game the same way. And I don't think that kid's perspective is the other clubs that are in the league table here or anything like that. He'll watch soccer now. I don't think. I don't think he's even. I think both players haven't even taken off their Valencia gear for for months. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's changed them uh, in a way that uh, that I think will fuel their passion and their development as players. And I don't know where they'll end up. Um, I'm optimistic for them. But this is this is the job of of education is to expand that player's horizons, you know, not just at the training pitch during the week. Um, but for the rest of their lives. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think they'll ever forget walking out on, onto the pitch at Mestaya and standing next to the first team and having their photo taken. I, I don't think they'll ever forget that. that. That's amazing. That's the kind of stuff that we want to do at this club and that's what we're working towards. Um, but it's a heavy lift.
0: Absolutely. That's why people like you are important people that are willing to do the heavy lifting. Cause a lot of times people aren't like you mentioned earlier there, the, the drive by coaches and parents and players that, uh, that, yeah. that work ethic is absent a lot of times. Um, I want to, uh, I want to make sure that we talk about how, how we got connected. Cause I feel like that's an important part of, of this interview, but also your story as well. If I, if I remember correctly from what Zach told me, but, um, we were introduced through bounce athletics. So Zach from bounce athletics connected us in an email, um, saying that he thought you and I would, would have a, you know, a lot in common and, and sounds like we're, you know, on a blind date almost. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you're, you're a user of, uh, of Zach's products. And, and i had actually reached out to him asking, Hey, like, is there anybody, anybody that you guys provide equipment to that you think would be a good interview for me? And he's like, absolutely without a doubt, Joe. And, and so that's how this conversation started. So I, I, I kind of want to ask you how you got to know balance athletics and, and what your experience is with their products since they are our one and only sponsor that we've ever had on this podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, It's, you know, work for us um, being different uh, has always been, um, call it transformational. That's my word. I mentioned that earlier. I want to keep using it. Um, Even though people call us disruptors. Early on, um, people noticed there was a difference in the way that, that we train, where we train, you know, and, and what we used for training. I mean, I think the first time that we set out, um, you know, these dynamo goals that we got from, from bounce, uh, I was mobbed, you know, other, other clubs, coaches, were you know, looked like a, like a trade show and I had to get them off my pitch, I'll talk to you after the training session. <laughs> um, you know, and, and they, you know, like, Oh my God, I've never seen this. Yeah. You know, the days of pugs are over. Um. And you know, we just looked different and more professional, um, and it mattered. And and the sort of that relationship actually started um, with me reaching out to them uh, for for their soccer balls, which is you know an amazing product and service. The way they handle it, it's always been custom branded. We've always focused on that. Um, you know, our our brand is really important to us. Um, And so it's, it's gotta be on everything. Um, It's how we create our training environment, our our culture. Um, You know, some clubs tell players to bring their soccer balls to training. Not us. Um, Leave your soccer balls at home. We'll play with, we'll play with our soccer balls and our Eagle Claw branded products and bounce has been really good about um you know terrific about that um and supporting us all the way through not just the soccer balls and the goals and try out pennies we've we've gotten from them as well have been have been amazing so now you know the big box you know american style youth soccer club right next door to us they're all rocking the bounce goals now um right um, and you know we train at starfire sports up uh, here in in, in Seattle and, and it happens to be the, the training ground home training ground for the sounders and I look around one day and oh my god the sounders academy is rocking the bounce goals too I'm like okay all right listen it's one thing to be an influencer but you just got to remember who the influencer was <laughs> um yeah so so bounce is the arms dealer and we're the influencer and it works out really well and uh, and if we are changing, If we're changing the way, you know, the equipment that other programs are doing, I'm sure we're going to have an influence on them in other ways too, maybe changing their training styles and maybe encouraging them to change their their club structure as well because I think it's broken and I think that we're doing the right thing.
0: Dude, that's an amazing point because the the competition aspect of, you know, you're offering a superior product and they are not – you know, that's, that's ultimately what is going to, um, you know, change the way that they operate. And, uh, this could go into something we talked about before off the record, but, um, you know, the, the lack of, of competition is what enables, you know, certain businesses just in general, not even just soccer, but, you know, lack of competition is what is what creates like that, you know, um, just terrible product, you know, they aren't, they aren't being pushed. So like if Google didn't have Yahoo, uh in in the late 90s or early 2000s you know google wouldn't have turned into to what it was if if microsoft or sorry if apple didn't have microsoft then i wouldn't be recording this on on my macbook
1: pro and oh man you just opened up a huge <laughs> huge question about oh man it is the the garden club niceties between youth soccer clubs just drives me nuts <laughs> They all think that we're expected to sit around and, you know, you know, be super, super polite with each other. Um, which I can't do when I see things being done wrong. Um, I just can't do, I'm mean, going to give you a simple example. Um, we have a policy at our club that tryouts are free. I mean, if we're going to, if I'm going to do a tryout, it's free. I, look, I'm going to invest in my program it's free. So I think we put up a Facebook post at some point and said, Hey, you know, why are you paying Seattle United, you know, $25 or whatever the number was that they had published on their website? Why are you paying Seattle United, you know, X dollars for a tryout fee? You know, simple. I got an email from the director of the club saying, you know, that's not cool. Um, you know, you should, yeah, well, look, if Sprint, has a different price point than T-Mobile or AT&T. They're going to print it. They're going to tell you, you should pick their network over someone else's network. Why shouldn't I highlight the differences between my program and any other program, whether it's a tryout fee our methodology our equipment? I'm not going to be polite about that. That I care about developing the players holistically and that, comes all the way down to, to the environment and the way we run, the way we operate, if there's differences. Yeah. I'm going to be the first one to tell you about it and I'm not going to apologize for doing it. They asked me to take it down. I think
0: <laughs> it, it flies under the radar because they do it in a comedic type of type of way. But I, I find it very interesting the way that fast food uh, chains attack each other in their ads. Like, totally, like, yeah, like they, like they are talking massive shit to each other through their their commercials, um, like uh, Jack in the Box, I think it was back in the day, they, they ran that the commercial, like where where do chickens have nuggets? And it was like a dig at McDonald's, and and, right. and yeah, it's like because they are competing businesses, they need to talk crap about each other. They need to highlight the the deficiencies of the other person's business and also talk about. Why their products are superior? That's how business works. Like that. That's just that's just how it is. And without that competition, McDonald's wouldn't be what it is now today, which is you know totally, totally different menu uh, options than what it was twenty years ago. Um, and, and there's another really good example. I forget where I first heard it, but it's uh, it's about Walmart being the number one supplier of organic food. And, you know, without that competition of other supermarkets and, and, you know, the, the customers wanting to purchase organic foods at all these other places, you know, Walmart wouldn't have introduced organic foods. And now that people are demanding those, uh, you know, at, at, at Walmart stores, they have to offer that or else they're going to lose business because people are going to go to these other outlets to, to go get that product. So competition is, you know, a uh, hot hot topic for me. I talk about it quite a bit on the podcast, but um it's it's just something I, I I wish there was more of in American soccer. I wish, like I think you do too, you know, we can get rid of the pleasantries and just and just be okay with competing with each other. You know, it, it should that's that's how it should be.
1: Competition is education. And education is competition. There's There's no other way to, to, to put it. And it's at the core of what we do. And, you know, just it's trivial, right. But this little tryout fee thing, uh, just yesterday I saw a Facebook post from another club in our area, free tryouts. Okay. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. So, so, uh, so to all the parents out there getting ready for tryout season, you're welcome. Um, And, (laughs) and, you know, I go one step further um, in terms of how, you know what we've been working on since 2013 in terms of talent development and creating this you know this revolutionary really in seattle idea that you don't have to have tryouts and cuts between age five and say 12 13 but you can just teach kids um you know like oh my gosh if you don't do tryouts you know your teams are going to suck okay that's fine you can think about that um the dutch football federation last november announced a new pilot program. Um, Amazing idea. They're concerned that they're losing talent, that they're overlooking talent, that they're not developing enough talent. So they grabbed four nice, big youth clubs in Holland. Um, I know that uh, Be Quick 1887 is one of them. And here's the idea. What if you didn't do selections or tryouts between the ages of five and 13. And instead you had super high quality coaches and facilities and equipment and everything else between the ages of five and 13 or so. Wouldn't you develop a whole heck of a lot more talent? Let's try it. So they've got five or six high profile youth clubs in Holland on this new change. That's badass. I'm reading. I'm reading it we were doing this in
0: 2013
1: (laughs) here. So for me, that is tremendous validation. Um, And am I going to talk about it and highlight the differences between us and other clubs? Yeah, absolutely. I will. Absolutely.
0: That's cool, man. That's really cool. Um, I, I end every interview with the same question. So, I want to make sure I ask you, and and you can feel free to answer this with whatever comes to mind, whatever angle you want to tackle it from, no problem. But the the question is, yeah. what do people need to know? And so you have the experience of you know building your own club, you have the experience of working with players and parents and overseas, and um, you know you you you've seen the game from many different angles. So if uh, if you had to answer the question, what do people need to know? I'm, I'm really curious what what you would say.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, I'd say talent development is not just what is being taught, or how it's being taught, or where it's being taught. It's everything, and it's it goes beyond the badge. You've got you've got to look beyond the badge. You've got to look beyond the hype. You've got to dig in deep and go talk to the club officials, go talk to the coaches, go talk to them and find out if they really have a commitment to long-term player development. If they can really move the needle for your kid and ask if they've done it and then go watch the players that they've developed, go do that. Go dig deep. That's what they really, really, really need to know. Um, you've got to look beyond the brand at the high level, and you've got to dig in deep. And if you're not doing that, then you're gonna get the result you deserve.
0: Oof! And ending with a big uppercut. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people where can people find out more about about you and and Eagle Claw and and kind of I don't know. Do you guys do, you guys do social media?
1: Uh, lots of social media, pretty pretty active on on Facebook, um, not so much on Twitter, although that's um, probably changing. But best way is just through our website, um, you know, eagleclawsc dot org uh, or dot com, either one works. And uh, yeah, we write quite a bit, um, so you'll see us, you know, writing about club structures and soccer politics and you know, Rondo based methodologies and and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, best way is to, is to find us on the website and reach out to us that way.
0: All right, cool. I'll make sure I link to that in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, anything, uh, anything that we didn't, that we didn't get into that you were anticipating talking about today? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I like
1: the laugh, man. It's a, it's a lot. You and me could talk for hours. Um, no. And you know, I'd say that, there are a few people in the world today that are making um, a really huge difference in, in youth soccer. And I'm going to, I'm going to name names and maybe this could be a topic for another piece I write or you write or someone else writes, but whether it's three, four, three or, you know, interesting fellow way out. in in Spain, that's, that's doing work like this. Uh, Todd Bean, there's a fellow in London named Kieran Smith. There's, there's a handful of smart people that are doing things that move the needle. I mean, I'm a three, four, three education course subscriber. Oh, I didn't know. that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. 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 Save the best for last. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, um, But you know, the, the drive by coaching piece, that's the one thing that maybe we didn't talk about, but we could pick up later. It's, you gotta be intellectually curious. You gotta go find the people that are doing this you know and and read and study and figure out why your club is not developing players that can compete on the world stage and and go change it and if you won't then we'll train the players
0: All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The Program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.